Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 40 of D in Discussion, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Ben Choices. Bun hop, bun hop. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was definitely a choice there. <laughs> well, we knew that one of these days that was going to happen, and it only took 40 episodes. So, you know what? Good job to you. I'm proud of you. I'm, you know, I'm, it's okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, I shot for the moon. I just overreached <laughs> just a little bit, and and I came crashing down. That's all like, right. Like the SpaceX SN9. <laughs> well, let's look at it this way. It's episode forty, so technically, I guess that means we're over the hill now. Yeah, so, that is true. So just your mind's going. That's what this it is. This is technically a very old podcast. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. that was a choice. And speaking of choices, <laughs> that's going to be one of our topics tonight. Yes. <laughs> Crazy. Yes. Amazing how that who works. Would've, who would have thought? Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we're going to talk a, a little bit today uh, uh, in our first topic about are there wrong choices in D&D? Yeah, and the really funny thing about this is that if you really think about it, there are choices littered throughout the entire game. Going simply to what spell should I cast right now, to how should I build my character, to, in my case, should I throw this dragon egg off a cliff or not? You know, interesting choices like that. And something that I've come across is that for the most part, there are no wrong choices. All right, that's the topic. We're done. So we can move forward. <laughs> but I mean, let's go ahead and dig into that a little bit because I know that a lot of players, especially newer players, really feel like, you know, what they're choosing is wrong or they're taking the wrong path. And I think a lot of this actually comes from if they've dabbled into like uh, a massively multiplayer role-playing game. Um, or, you know, just an RPG in general or something along those lines. Uh, gosh, you can even say if you play Mass Effect, you, you might think that you're making the wrong choice, but there's definitely no wrong choices in there unless you choose uh, not Samara, but her daughter. That's a wrong Essentially, choice. if you choose yes. not to romance Garrus, you've made a poor um, decision. I disagree with that one. But anyway, <laughs> 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 um, and the, the thing is, is that one of the key things to or to understand about uh, God, I almost said World of Warcraft. This isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. See, I'm I'm doing it too. So yeah, it's on episode forty. <laughs> exactly. Get um, one of the big things about Dungeons and Dragons is that choices are part of the game, but they don't define every single aspect of it. Which may sound weird, but it's kind of true because one, you have dice that play into things, and two your choices actually drive everything that's going on. So there's really no wrong way to drive in this game. Now, you may be in a game that's totally just a min-max game of, okay, I need to have the most damaging thing possible because this is how the party operates, this is how the DM operates, and that would be something that you'd know beforehand, like you know, when you're building characters or, or talking about the campaign. But if it's not something like that, have fun. Yeah, have fun. <laughs> and I, I, I do kind of want to go back to the, the are there wrong choices? Mm-hmm. And I and, and I know you said no. And I said no, mostly. Um, mo- simply because there can be malicious choices. And if you make yeah. a malicious choice, that's bad. That's the, that's the wrong way to go about things. Yes, I totally agree with you on that. Let me, let me, let me backpedal a little bit. Yeah. On um, but choices, choices aren't necessarily wrong. Choices can have consequences, mm-hmm. be, the, be, they, be, the, be they good or bad, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that was the wrong thing to do in that decision. I think the best way to look at it is from the perspective of what would my character do in this situation? And even if as a player, that choice is quote unquote wrong, 
it's okay because you want to look at it from the standpoint of not necessarily what like I, Ryan would do with my Minotaur barbarian Melnon <laughs> because, but what would Melnon do in that specific situation? And if Melnon would do something that is suboptimal or something that might be considered not smart <laughs> or, or something heroic uh, that might cost him his life, then that's fine. That was the correct decision for the character. Exactly. And that carries over from decisions that you're making, uh, you know, just RPing to in combat to even, you know, what you're choosing as you're leveling up or, you know, the class race, everything that you're choosing when you're creating your character. One of the things that I love about D&D is that as you do level up, you gain more power, you gain more spell slots, you gain more abilities, all that fun stuff. But like some of the key spots are like, say, level four, where you can choose ability score or feats for most classes. And some people like me, generally, I tend to go for upping my ability score because I'm trying to hit that 20 because to me, a lot of my abilities are based off of that. So it gives me more flexibility with what I want to do. Whereas some other people might want to go with a feat because, you know, they want to dabble with certain things or um, try something different out or, you know, have that extra advantage when they're rolling for concentration checks for spells or something along those lines. And that's where the beauty of all this is, is that there's no wrong answer. Like if you're going with feats, as long as you hit those, uh, prerequisites, you're good. Unless your dungeon master's like, I don't care about pre prerequisites. You can be a Goliath and use this halfling trait. Whatever. I don't care, you know? And I think that's where a lot of people can come to issues where they think that they might have made a wrong choice along the way. And there's a couple different ways of going about this. Did you make a wrong choice because you're not having fun with your choice? Do you feel like you made a wrong choice because you're not using that choice very often? Or is someone saying, hey, you chose wrong? Because yeah. I mean, if, they're, if they're saying, hey, you chose wrong, they're wrong. Yeah, you build your character the, the way you want to build them and the way that is fun for you while keeping in mind that this is a collaborative game. And so you want to always make sure that what you're doing is not at the expense of other people. Yes. So that's, that's, that's the caveat on that. Um, one, one kind of example I wanted to talk about, and I wanted to talk about it because I know we, this has kind of been from a little bit of a player perspective, but from a DM perspective, you, turns out, have a lot of power. And how, how, how <laughs> your game... <laughs> and how your world runs. Um, so I wanted to kind of give an, a, an example of this um, from uh, two of my games, actually. Uh, the first one was uh, a guy who plays my, uh, a, a cleric mm -hmm. in one of my campaigns. So we started, the originally we started the campaign as just a one-shot. Um, everyone made their characters. We had fun. Everyone had so much fun, they wanted to keep playing. And I was just like, sure. Okay, I'll do it. That's, that's fine. Especially if we do it in the same world, I can draw from some of the same material that I'm already using, uh, that I've already created. I've got some lore that's starting to build up and stuff like that. I've got cities and towns and villages and whatnot. So uh, that definitely drops the burden on you as a DM from a, from a play perspective. So I was like, sure. We get into it a little more um, and I'm talking to the player and it's just like, man, there are so many other cleric subclasses. There are so many other things. And the way my character story, the way my arc is going, the way the personality is on him, this really doesn't, the subclass really doesn't fit mm -hmm. with him. Because um, one, he made it as a one-shot character. Two, brand new player. Oh, never, yeah. never played, never really played D, D much if any before and certainly never never fifth edition and so i was just like okay we're we're kind of coming to a crossroads so let's let's work this in from a, a story aspect too i didn't tell him exactly how 
I was going to do that. Um, but I started theming some content around the direction his character was going, what his character was kind of doing, uh, what his characters was kind of fascinated with. And basically then I laid out the option for him to change deities. Um, and then in the interim, I, I went, okay, cool. Uh, these three or four subclasses would look, would fit perfectly with this new deity. Do any of these interest you? Because one of the, one of the biggest things I think you can have with your, your players or that kills enjoyment from a player is not having fun with their character. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's, there's several ways you can, you can kind of work around that. One is, is this, you go, okay, is it, is it just the subclass? Is it, is it just something that's theming is just not fitting? That's, that's from a, a story perspective, that's a fairly easy fix. And so that's what we ended up doing here. We got, he got a subclass that he was much more interested in and was themed far um, more appropriately to his character. Um, mm -hmm. Then you've got the slightly more uh, dramatic or more, uh, I guess, clean slate approaches where <laughs> I'm not enjoying this character. Okay. That's fine. I, I know you enjoy playing. I know you enjoy playing with this group. I want you to have fun. So let's talk about this. Do you want to play a different character? Do you want to play a different class? Sometimes, depending on how far in you are, if you're not super far in, maybe you can swing a full-on class change for the character mm -hmm. um, and then just kind of work that into the story. If you're super far in, like, you know, greater than five, six, seven levels, that becomes a little bit harder to do. And so then maybe you talk about, okay, do you want to retire this character and, and just make a new one? And that's fine too, because at the end of the day, if the player is not having fun, then why are they playing? I've been in that situation before where I'm just playing in a game and I'm just like, I'm just here because I want to play D and D, but I'm not having fun doing it. And at that point, if you're not having fun, why am I, why am I wasting these three or four hours of every other Friday or, or this once a month thing just for hanging around and doing something that I'm just not enjoying. And that's, if you get to that point, that's fine. Uh, you can talk to your, your DM if you, if you get to that point, and if there's specific things that are making you not have fun, potentially that's something they can, they can correct. Um, if not, then, you know, it's, it's never, never shame to leave a campaign because you're not having fun or because you can't work out differences with the DM. Exactly. No, no, no shame in that. Um, the other, the other example I kind of wanted to talk about was... Well, hold on before we do that. Oh, let, me, go ahead. Go ahead. let me jump in. Um, I actually had both of those instances happen with the same player. Um, uh -huh. We were talking about, uh, you know, he, was, uh, he chose a warlock. And the way that he it was kind of working out, the way that he was playing it and everything, it, it, it is a lot of Eldritch Blasts. And it just turned out to be not super fun. So then we started kind of working in some other things and ended up taking a level in Sorcerer and kind of enjoying that, seeing where that went. And we were discussing, it's like, okay, well, do we want to kind of, you know, swap things out? And we, we did what we could to make it still work within the confines of what the story was. And even after a little while, it turns out it's like, okay, no, I think I'm kind of done with this character. So it's like, okay. So then uh, I, I've actually told, you know, the story about how that character died, but lived and is now off in the world doing their thing. And uh, the player had a new character. They brought in an artificer instead of a warlock and, you know, entirely different character. The whole party hated him at first because that's what happens. It's someone new and he didn't exactly play him as the nicest person. He was kind of an arrogant jerk, but you know, they grew to love them. Well, I think so. Who knows? Um, but it's just one of those things where as long as you're able to communicate with your players and, and, or your DM, you know, going back and forth on that, you should be able to figure out something. Cause like Ryan, you were saying, 
having fun is what matters most because I don't know how many times I've said, well, I haven't said it on the show as much, but um, no D and D is better than bad D and D. So if you're hopping in and you're just there killing time and rolling your math rocks because you can, and you're just like, okay, well, this is what I do now. Hey, I'm shooting my bow. Okay, cool. I want that sword. You know, it's just not as much fun getting into There's it. There's better uses of your time. Oh yeah, definitely. Getting into it, being able to really, you know, embody your character and just interact and be present is really the best way to play. So, you know, look for things and work on um, ways to be able to do that. And if that means changing something that you, you personally don't like, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. And I, I think that my other example kind of goes right along with that. Um, in one of my campaigns, my, <clears throat> my uh, artificer, sorry, brain fart. My artificer wanted to uh, experiment with uh, sorcerer a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of came up with this, this story. Um, he ended up doing wild magic stuff and we ended up, working that in and taking it um around the time the next level rolled around uh he came to me and said i am just really not feeling feeling the sorcerer aspect of all this um i really want to get some more of the artificer stuff and is is there something we can do about it and i'm and it's it's one of those things where it's just like i want again the player to be able to enjoy their character Mm -hmm. uh so i was like you know you're not super deep in this was just taken last level um we'll leave maybe a little bit of the wild magic stuff for me to just randomly like pop in still yeah um but it's it's it it didn't affect the story in a big deal in a in a big way um and it still was very you know artificers arcane does a lot of magic stuff sorcerer does a lot of magic stuff so it it was still very much in the wheelhouse in the genre so i was just like yeah that's fine you can just switch that that level back to artificer now i i will say this from a player perspective i don't know if i'm just an overly generous dm or if i'm just really flexible or if that's what most dms would do i honestly don't know um but as a player you should also do your best to not have to make your DM do that. Um, it is on you as a player to look at subclasses, look at your next levels, look at multi-classing and try and figure out if you, if you think that would be fun. Again, you don't always get it right. You might be new. Uh, you might not have a lot of experience. And so if that ends up being the case, um, it's just one of those things that we can work it out. Right. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. it's, it's, it's about, it's about having fun and I don't want realism or well, it's all, it's all in our imaginations. I don't want quote unquote <laughs> realism uh, taking over for uh, the over fun. If that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's, but at the end of the day, it is still a game and it is still a game with rules, even if we do bend and break them sometimes. So we don't want to be doing these types of things constantly. And if I had a player that did these types of things constantly, I'd probably have a talk with them and go, okay, like <laughs> this, is, this is making this hard for me. And this is, it's, it's just, you, you know, pick something and stick with it yeah, <laughs> type type thing after after a little while but okay we understand that you grew up in the forest and that's why you were a druid but then when you moved to the city for the first time and saw that and then switched to being fully an artificer okay cool that's an interesting switch but okay and then when you get back out into the forest you realize oh i just really wanted to run wild and and shoot a bow at things okay um but then you know you you found your god when you were aiming down the side of an arrow so you decided to join the faith okay like at, at some point there has yeah to be... at some point at some point it's just like make a new character yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do that but uh, again it's it's small things small tweaks mm-hmm. uh especially from a dm perspective 
like swapping a feed out yeah. or something, something like that. Swapping a feed out, swapping a, a subclass, especially um, early on. But I've, I've definitely seen in even uh, other D&D campaigns where a, uh, not a class switch, but a subclass swap for story reasons, even deeper into the, into the campaign, that can be very, uh, mm-hmm. very effective. It can be very interesting. It can both from a player perspective and a, and a story perspective, if there's good reason for it. So um, being able and flexible to do those types of things, mainly within your, the class structure, um, can be can be really good and be really helpful um same with like like i said the feet stuff or Mm -hmm. just just small small things that can help make your character a little more fun for you yeah or something Um, even something i'm usually as a dm very very open to yeah something like uh the fighting style for a ranger you know choosing uh ranged versus uh dueling or something along those lines you know if it turns out that you have a whole lot of melee and you kind of just want to start, you know, sitting in the back and shooting an arrow. Great. You know, there's nothing that says that you didn't also know how to do that way back when, but you didn't know how people were going to build their characters at level two. So obviously you couldn't actually, you know, make that determination at that time. There, there's, there's always little things like Ryan was saying that, you know, you can talk to your DM about and have an idea behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And, as much as possible, I, I usually love trying to work those things into the story and have there be reason for them. And that makes it much easier to transition into mm-hmm. and for, honestly, the group as a whole to, to accept, especially if it's something as big as a subclass change for the cleric or something like that. They, they swap deities and whatnot. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's certainly uh, an interesting an interesting topic, but it's something that uh, as a DM, you want to be at least a little flexible on. And as a player, you don't want to push too much um, <laughs> because part of, part of that is just playing different characters. Exactly. Right? You, one character can't be everything for you. That's just, it just does not work well within the rule set of D&D. There might be other systems that allow for that sort of fluidity in a much better space and in a much more flexible rule set in that that regard. But it's 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 good to have a little flexibility on both ends and at the end of the day you just want to make sure you're having fun. Did you ever see the the Puffin Forest video on YouTube where he made a character named Absurd? And it was, I think, level 10 or level 11 or something. And he had one level in every class. <laughs> and it that was absurd. It was the worst character ever. <laughs> I'll have to find that video and link it to you. I think you'll find it funny. Yeah, that's, that's the, uh, I, the a bad case of the I can't decide these. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anything else you wanted to, to touch on for, for choices? No, just, um, I mean, for the most part, just make your choices. You're not, you know, really stuck with them forever if you so choose. As long as you're able to talk to your DM. Communication is the biggest key to all of it. Yeah, especially from a character perspective. Mm-hmm. And from an in-game perspective, you know, learn to learn to just have confidence in the choices you make. Yeah. Like you're not always going to make the right decisions. Uh, you're not always going to get out consequence free, be it good or bad. Um, but that's D and D that's the shared collaborative storytelling mm-hmm. art that you are a part of. And so it's, it's just very much a um, make the choice and we'll roll with it and we'll see what happens. Yep, that's why we use a D20 and not just a coin. That's right. That didn't okay. kind of make sense, I hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, not, a, a it's not a 50-50. Yeah, it's a, it's a range of things. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. No, that's, I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Um, 
so secondly, we wanted to talk a little bit about this, and I know, and I know Ben uh, specifically was wanting to to kind of bring this subject up, and it is downtime after like an arc climax, mm-hmm. after the big explosion, after the big battle, after the the huge war, after saving the city. There's usually a period of (sighs) Mm -hmm. and so uh i know ben specifically wanted to talk a little bit about that kind of breath out period after you've been holding your breath and and clenching your butt and (laughs) (laughs) adrenaline coursing through your veins uh throughout the entirety of the 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 big the big arc. So, so Ben, why don't you, uh, why don't you kick it off? Well, a lot of it is um, kind of, I mean, there's different aspects to it, but I think the storytelling aspect just to start off with is really important to kind of take a look at. There's a reason why movies have highs and lows during the course of the, the whole feature. Like John Wick is an excellent action movie. Absolutely love it. There's a lot of action that happens. There's a lot of really cool stuff and everything but it has those moments where you have action, 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 and then it just kind of dies down for a little bit. Granted, it doesn't die down for a super long time because it's John Wick. And then again, picks back up, action, action, action. You, you have that rise and then that fall again. It, storytelling is very important to have those lulls as well as the climaxes because otherwise it's just constant, just run, 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 run. And you need to have those breaks in there to really appreciate when you hit those marks. You know, if I wasn't able to sleep at night, being awake would kind of suck after a while because it's just a constant thing. Meanwhile, I can't sleep all the time because that also, as good as it sounds right now, does suck. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, you know, as you're going through working on an arc, you're always going to have some sort of starting point, you know, whether it is, oh, I found this key in a basement and then that unlocks into something bigger, which moves forward to something bigger, which gets you to talk to the king, which pushes you towards finding a dragon, which finds a cursed artifact, which opens up something more. And you can continue that, but at some point you need to stop and just kind of, oh, we were successful this is amazing. We accomplish stuff, you know, give your players that, that sense of, of accomplishment and adventure and let them be the heroes. If they're constantly moving forward, they can't relish in all the, the good that they've done, assuming you're playing a good campaign or they can't relish in all the evil that they've spread across the land. If you're doing an evil campaign or the, I don't know, cooking empire that they established if you're doing a neutral campaign (laughs) i don't know something along those lines but the the point is that you know with light comes dark with you know good comes evil with high action should also come kind of a lull in that action yeah just like that lull right there Exactly. I knew you'd pick up on that. That's perfect. <laughs> um, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, if, if you've played for very long, you will know that situations of uh, sustained heavy role play or situations of sustained heavy combat, especially for multiple sessions in a row, can be very, uh, and especially if you play, um, if you play, kind of uh semi-frequently mm-hmm. can be really draining uh mentally mentally and it's as funny as it is to say physically as well yeah um, it, it is though i've i've played i've played four or five hour sessions where it's like a, a huge combat and you're all just at the end you're just oh wow i can't <laughs> believe we did that or I can't believe this happened or I can't believe that happened. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, whoa, I am worn out. <laughs> and it's funny to say, but it's, it's totally true because it's it, sometimes you just get those, those dopamine highs, those, those adrenaline highs uh, 
D&D just can have that effect where you can get so invested Mm -hmm. that you are both physically and mentally invested in what is going on in this story that's on our minds. Um, So it's really good to be able to break up those, those periods of highs, like you were saying with some lighter, lighter fare, Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, Make sure that you give your players a heads up before you head into that. Uh, Depending on how long you played, they may expect it sometimes after uh, the conclusion of an arc or something. But it's, it's always good to discuss with your players when you have those quieter times and just let people know, hey, this is gonna be more of a downtime, lighter session. Uh, so just be prepared. I'm going to give you guys a few weeks um, where nothing bad <laughs> is going to happen or, <laughs> you know, you know, whatever um, before you, you start your next, your next big thing. So what would you like to do? What are you, what are you interested in? Um, sometimes you as a DM can plan specific things to, to take, take them through that are of, like a, a lighter fare. And sometimes you can be like, okay, what do you, or what does your character want to do during this time period? Exactly. And that's one of the great things is that, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, downtime sessions before about, you know, oh, you know, maybe they can learn a new skill or, you know, become uh, the proprietor of a business or, you know, something along those lines. And, you know, giving them those sort of options helps them kind of flesh out their character because, you get to know who you are when you have time. And that's one of the neat things about, you know, kind of getting in thinking about, okay, well, I've got two weeks. What would my character do in those two weeks? And you don't necessarily need to map out, okay, well, on day one, I'm going to do this at 9am. And then at 10am, I mean, you could, no one's going to fault you. No one's going to stop you. But being able to kind of figure out it's like okay well i think that they would probably head to the library and do some research on the thing that they just killed you know maybe they want to know if there's a chance it could come back um you know at the same time they also thought it was really cool that so-and-so over there was able to throw a fireball and they want to learn how to cast that or something if there's some sort of you know magic user maybe you're you're giving them the option to to learn that or go to a scroll shop and, and find a, a scroll of fireball or something along those lines. You know, this is also a great way to kind of introduce the new arc in a very light way as well. You know, it could be just rumors of missing um, children in the next town over or something along the lines of, you know, oh, there's a, I don't know, a big monster that's been heard of um in on the next continent it's it's something new or there's there's a dragon terrorizing this area or something along those lines you know throw in rumors give your city a little life to it as well and it's really a good way of giving everybody just a kind of a town downtime break if especially if you give them kind of choices on what to do it gives them an idea of what they can prep for what they can kind of look forward to or, you know, make the, the complete determination of what the next arc is going to be if, if you're giving them multiple options. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, I, I, I love that just kind of thrown in pepper around uh, hints and leads and whatnot to the next big thing, but don't make that the focus. Mm-hmm. Let, let the players both in game and out of game have a little bit of, of rest. And honestly, during these times, this is when some of the best RP can happen. Yeah. Even if it's not like the, the heavy RP where it's life and death or you're my sister ah! <laughs> type thing, but more just the, the quiet contemplative conversations that really lead to party cohesion, mm-hmm. which is just so, so important in D&D and probably something we'll, we'll talk about as a topic at some point, just because it is, it's incredibly key to a, um, a healthy D&D group. So, um, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to, to go into your tragic backstory when you're in the middle of a dungeon hiding from kobolds. 
Exactly. It's, it's, it's much easier to, to open up or um, if you're, if you're a player ask about, it's like, so what was that thing you did with uh, the, the gray smoke that I've never seen before <laughs> when we were fighting that guy or oh. what was, that was that thing where the guy we were fighting yelled out, you'll never, you, you won't take me this time. And it's just, and those types of things can lead to, mm-hmm. to really good conversations um, and good character development during, during those, those times between lulls, between arcs. So mm-hmm. exactly. And that's one of the really fun things that, you know, I enjoy about D and D is character building and also relationship building and, you know, going through a, I don't know, just, Hey everybody, let's get together for dinner tonight and just kind of, you know, sit there and talk and man, it was crazy when that dragon had me in its claws and it was throwing me around, but you know, you, you, you fired that arrow at it and, and distracted him and I was able to land on his back and then get the, the killing blow or something, you know, it's like, it gives your players a chance to reflect on what they did, who they are, what they can do. And it's just, it's, it's like after a session going out to dinner and just chatting and having fun. But imagine if that session was, you know, an actual like three week long trek through the wilderness chasing orcs that slaughtered a town, you know, it, it is the same kind of thing and just blowing off steam. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Um, Okay. Anything else you wanted to touch on for? Oh, we'll get into it soon. Ah, okay. Well, let's, uh, let's move forward then on that. Uh, for our community content shout out today, I have two things. One, uh, the version 2.1 of the combat wheelchair has been released by Mustang art at Mustang art Mustangs. There's an S Mustangs art on Twitter uh, and they have released the combat wheelchair version 2.1. And if you haven't heard of it before, it's actually an incredibly cool set of rules for um, characters uh, that are disabled. Um, And so it's, it's very comprehensive. Um, You may have actually seen a a character, Matthew Mercer has a character that uses the combat wheelchair in Critical Role right now, and he's freaking awesome. Um, So if you're you're looking for something like that, if that's uh, the type of character that you you have made or that you are wanting to make, um, this set of rules is actually super, super cool because it, it enables um, that type of play uh, and being able to do everything the same without being feeling underpowered or something just because you chose to play your character in a certain way. Exactly. And one of the biggest things about the combat wheelchair is that it's representation something that's you know dungeons and dragons is it's for everybody so if you're able to have something that does actually represent you in the game it's just that much more uh, welcoming and encompassing and being able to say well i'm in a wheelchair um i'd like that in the game but there isn't one so i guess i'm just gonna have to have someone who's not fully me now you have your chance if you you haven't heard about this before it's absolutely amazing everything i've seen on it and and kind of read through it and i mean there's a lot of thought that went into everything and i'm a huge fan yes i i am too in fact i really want to create an npc for my world using this this rule set Mm -hmm, Um, because it is it is incredibly cool thing and honestly um representation in your games is is a great thing as well because not only not only does it really help to show especially if you have if you're doing a show with an audience or something mm-hmm. um show that you are able to be whatever you want to be in this thing you know quote unquote realism forget that we're we're in magic we're in magic <laughs> realm already 
uh, the, you can, the, the rules, the rules are whatever you make them. The situation is whatever, whatever you make it. Um, it's, it's also really cool to have that diversity just within your world itself. Mm-hmm. Um, because it just helps in, in a lot of ways, it helps you think differently too. Yep. And just good. also enforces the fact that everyone at the table is welcome. Yep. Totally yep. agree. But yeah, if you want, if you're interested in that, or if you want it, the rules, uh, we will have a link in the show notes. They're totally free. Mm-hmm. Totally just uh, Mustang art, Mustang's art is giving them out. So follow the link, download them, check them out, and uh, see if that's something you want to use. Yep. And speak of inclusivity, there is a plain text and a dyslexic friendly text. So. I saw that. That was super cool. Very awesome. Super, super cool. Um, secondly, Arcadia, and if you you uh, listened a few episodes back, you probably heard me mention that, and I was kind of fanboying all over uh, that magazine. Uh, well, issue two is out, and holy moly, it has some of the most gorgeous art. My goodness, like the art in this in this supplement is just it's just absolutely <laughs> absolutely incredible, like. It's, it's incredibly high quality. Uh, again, you can get it over at mcdmproductions.com in the shop or by being a uh, patron at any level uh, of Matt Colville's. And this one is really cool. It's got um, subclasses of the seasons, which is uh, a four season theme spellcasting subclasses, which is super cool. So, you know, winter, fall, summer, spring. Um, it's got the periodic table of elementals, <laughs> which is four brand new, uh, very cool actually elementals to use nice. for a game and a, uh, short, short story. I believe it's for like, uh, eighth level characters, uh, that you can run for a mini campaign or a, a one shot type thing. So if you're, if you're looking for extra supplemental stuff and you want something that's got great content and gorgeous art, check Arcadia out. That's pretty yeah. cool. And it uh, looks like uh, they're, they're looking to get issue three in March, which is only a few weeks away. So yeah, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be sad because they're, <laughs> they're doing a, apparently they're doing an initial three issue run. Then they're going to take a step back, compile feedback, see how it was. And then, uh, see about continuing it. So I don't know. I don't know exactly how well it's doing, but um, I think uh, Matt Colville's Patreon got 2000 new people uh, the, the month or the, the day it came out. So that seems to be, seems to be demand. Uh, all this that stuff has been very like high quality <laughs> so far. So I really do hope it is something they continue on a monthly basis. I would absolutely, uh, I'd absolutely love that too. All right, Ben. No, this yeah. Is, this is what you've been waiting for. Uh, the what we're doing in our game. So why don't you uh, why don't you jump in and take it first? All right. So uh, there's a reason why I wanted to talk about downtime because guess what? My players had some downtime. <laughs> um, it was one of those things where I went ahead and gave them. Okay, we're gonna have a month that uh, you can do whatever. Um, so they just leveled the 10. And then I also told them in that month, they can also either uh, choose a feat or a new, um, I can't think of the name, thing that you don't have, proficiency. There we go. That's yes, the yes. <laughs> um, You know, just to kind of, you know, play along with, hey, you've got some downtime, you can learn some new stuff, you know, plus they just finished the first arc. I wanted to give them something extra on top of the level 10 that they got. And we had an amazing time. Absolutely amazing time. Um, everybody kind of, you know, kind of sat down. They, they talked about what they wanted to do. We RP'd out some, some things. Um, the, the cleric had a, a huge laundry list of stuff, which was amazing because it fit his character and everything that he did was important. So it was great. Um, the, our, our bard, she was awesome and uh, contributed to like this orphanage. Um, everybody kind of spent time with her there and, you know, there, there was a lot of cross play as well as, Hey, my character is doing this. And the thing that was absolutely amazing is I think every, 
everyone except for maybe one person said, okay, I knock on the cleric's door to talk to him about something. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of fun there too. Um, but one thing that was great was our artificer also went to the, the orphanage to see the kids and he happened to have one of his inventions, which was a, a glove of doom, which he's planning on marketing as the thing that killed this demigod that they just killed. Cause you know, it helped. It didn't get a killing blow or do a ton of damage, but it helped. Yeah. So the kids are like, oh, can I see that? Can I play with it? He's like, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. That's That's a horrible idea. But then because of that, he came up with the idea, and it's now canon in my universe, that he came up with the idea idea for Nerf. Awesome. There's Nerf guns and, and Nerf gauntlets that shoot darts out. So kind of near the end of the month, they're all sitting at dinner and all of a sudden he comes out and starts handing everybody a gun or a gauntlet. And we had an impromptu nerf battle in their home, which was amazing. And just a ton of fun that came out of nowhere, just completely based off of them saying, Oh yeah, I'm I'll go and visit you at the orphanage. And then just it, it built and built and built and built. And now there's going to be, you know, kids with nerf guns around the continent at some point. And I'm just super excited about this because it's just one of those fun little dumb things that can happen when you have some off time. So aside from that, um, I was able to kind of give a little bit more information about uh, what the next arc is going to be. They've already got a summons to travel with the Lord from the very first town that they went with um, doing a a bit of a road trip to go to a trade summit that's going to be happening. So who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, the cleric's father is going to be there. He's actually representing their nation. So that's going to be some interesting, some interesting stuff. Um, he ended up uh, using sending and convinced his sister to try to tag along too. So his sister's probably going to be there. And it's going to be a little family reunion that I'm excited for. We're going to see some stuff. On top of that, I've got a bunch of other stuff planned that I can't talk about because we're going to find out when they get there. Um, but... I've got some pretty good ideas for the second arc and I'm, I'm really excited to go there. But um, one of the, the, the last things that they did was they, they actually took a trip to the inn where their warlock friend, who's no longer a warlock went after he left the party. And then as they arrived, he wasn't there. He actually left and had some other stuff he needed to do. So who knows if that'll ever come back or not. We don't know. Um, I've I've talked to the player and that's what they decided was going to be happening. So, you know, it's their character. I'm letting them do what he wants them to do. So then as they came back into town, there were banners being hung and they are going to be celebrating the uh, religion of Corallon inspired Elven Ward uh, holiday. So, Next session, which is uh, hopefully Saturday, we're going to have a fair and they're going to have fun. I've got a bunch of games planned and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Very cool. I love, I love little festivals. Yeah. They're so they're so that's, that, that's a great like downtime, like chill, chill session. I hope so. I really hope they like it. I've, like I said, I got a bunch of different games. That I've got a pit fight set up with a, a couple different types of fights. I've got a drinking game, arm wrestling, uh, some other stuff. Like uh, I, I don't know if they know this or not, but there's an exotic petting zoo. Ooh. So Fancy. I've got yeah, I've I've got some random animals in there that I'm like, oh, they totally shouldn't be able to pet this, but it's gonna be there, and just who knows what sort of hijinks will happen with all of that. I'm I'm really excited about this. The sign is actually in like under common. It says may bite, but no one can read it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm really looking forward to them seeing the horse with the, or the, the quote unquote unicorn, but it's just a horse with a, uh, like a paper cone on its head <laughs> that no horse, one can see. And... Unicorns don't exist. <laughs> exactly. Except maybe in the forest, they're going to travel through. <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. We'll see what's going on. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm just really excited for uh, you know some future stuff that's coming. So, ah, very cool, yeah. very cool. Uh, what, um, have you, what have you been up to? Yeah, so uh, for me, it's it's interesting and and kind of sad because um, part 
two of of my my big battle was supposed to take place but then uh i got sick thankfully not not the covid's sick That's but good. just just a just a cold and but voice was very much on the fritz and then it, it ended up happening a player couldn't make it so we ended up pushing pushing that that session back so that everyone could make it and that uh, I wasn't struggling <laughs> the in the entire three or four hours of, <laughs> of combat through uh, to try and talk and narrate everything Does so it, for the best in your armor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it was it was it was a little disappointing but it was it was definitely for the best make yeah. sure you make sure you take care of yourself <laughs> so that you can take care of everything else you got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of care of other things so um so yeah that didn't happen but um i did uh start a new campaign with a buddy because when one campaign ends you got to replace it with another campaign oh, right of course <laughs> of course uh so we are actually doing uh, an evil campaign and I'm very intrigued and very excited for this because it's going to be a very different thing. And so again, uh, we've talked a little bit about this before and mm-hmm. once I'm actually have dived in and have played for several months, it'll be fun to do a, an episode segment on so I can kind of give a little bit of the the knowledge of my experience from being in one because I know they're not super common. Um, it's, it's a, it's an interesting thing. Um, I would not recommend doing them lightly and I would not recommend doing them for your first, oh, yeah, <laughs> for your first one. Um, our DM was, uh, really, really good about getting it all set up and lined up. There was, uh, he, he did a great job with uh, session zero type stuff, making sure uh, everyone was comfortable uh, talking over subject matter, um, seeing what people were and weren't um, okay with that type of stuff, which is, which is especially for an evil campaign. It's very, oh, yeah. very good to, to kind of clarify beforehand, lay down some ground rules um, about like what and what not he would do and and tolerate and not tolerate which was which was great all the players um have played with each other before which is is really good because when you're when you're going to do an evil campaign especially you want that cohesiveness and you want that trust between people mm-hmm. um to make sure that uh it stays i would say it stays good <laughs> it stays <laughs> bad uh but it stays respectful and exactly respectful. Yeah. That's a good word. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's been, it's been super fun so far. Uh, I'm playing a divination wizard, uh, a satyr named Antelore. And uh, he's I like it. He's incredibly smart, super smart dude. Uh, the other members of the party, not so much. So it's going to be, and it's already <laughs> been <laughs> a very, a very interesting dynamic. In, in fact, like last session, um, the whole premise of this is that we are joining in with this basically crime boss. They got run out of this town hmm. several years earlier. She's trying to basically break back in, get revenge on the people who kicked her out. Uh, and we are all together with her, hired by her for various reasons that we each yeah. caught her eye for, for one reason or another with our, with our talents. And so we, we go in and one of the first things that we uh, start doing um, is racketeering, you know, like extortion, like, hey, protection money or hey, this other person that you're paying, you should pay us now type, type thing. And yeah. so it's super funny because the first the first interaction was uh the the big the big brute guy tried to intimidate the guy was uh not having any of it so i <laughs> i kind of slip in and i i've got I'm, i've built this character for intrigue like manipulation whatever so suggestion <laughs> i suggest that you pay us instead <laughs> um so just uh, it it ended up working out really well it was it was super smooth it, it was hilarious uh we go to the next place uh we walk into the shop and there's this guy arguing with the the woman who who owns the shop and our big brute guy goes 
oh, he's assaulting her and just shoots him. No talking, nothing. And I'm just <laughs> walking up to try and talk. He misses. The guy draws a sword and slashes me our, <laughs> and crits our, our squishy little wizard. And I'm just there going, ah! ah. <laughs> so they started this huge fight with this dude <laughs> with, without like me knowing about it, me thinking I'm just going to go in here and try and talk to these people and, you know, smooth, smooth played and whatnot. It, it turned into a super funny situation and it'll, and it's, it's going to be a really funny and interesting dynamic. The, uh, a few like bruiser type, lower intelligence or straightforward characters and the hyper intelligent mm-hmm. smooth talker who is squishy as all get out compared compared to them so yeah i i think it's i think it's gonna be a ton of fun to to play well i am super intrigued to hear more about that once you you're you know definitely a few sessions in because when a lot of people think evil character they just think oh i'm just gonna go on a murder spree and kill everybody and i love the fact that yeah it's because the only way to really play an evil campaign is you need to have goals you need to have ideas and you need to have your weird sense of morals like the the brute guy being all like oh he's attacking her and immediately firing that's not murder hoboism that's oh i'm saving this girl from that guy you know I, i love it it's it's amazing it's it's the the tiniest little bit of character in just like one action i oh this is great i can't wait to hear more yeah, no, it's it's like my character is chaotic evil. And a lot of people would say, chaotic evil, you're just going to go around stabbing and murdering people for, for no reason. It, it's no, it's it, it, this version of it is very much, he is, uh, he was made specifically to be a very manipulate chance, fate, um, you know, roll the dice type, yeah. type thing. He, he likes... Uh, he he enjoys the suffering of others, and he enjoys like sometimes randomly making something good happen for someone to make something bad happen mm-hmm. for somebody else. <laughs> and and so it's it's you don't there there are definitely stereotypes for the alignments, mm-hmm. and but they're not so boxed in as that and like you said you can still have a very interesting campaign even from the evil side of things you just have to make sure there's goals and one of the big things we talked about in our session zero is the idea that the party needed to be cohesive and even if we have our individual goals we needed to make sure we had that shared goal because yeah. we didn't want this to turn into like a pvp fest or a me versus you thing this is a conglomeration group of criminals that certainly have their own motives mm-hmm. but are all working toward a common goal exactly that's that's really cool so i'm i'm looking forward to being able to to talk about that one more that'll be fun. I- yeah, I just thought, well, if I was playing an evil character, what would I want? I, I would just want to be... Are you capable of being an evil character, Ben? Probably not. <laughs> but <laughs> if I was, I would probably be some sort of wizard who's trying to become a lich. Yeah. I yeah. mean, great goal right there. You know what you're doing. You know what your, your main goals are and, and kind of how to get there. So I was like, okay, I might be able to play this off. But yeah, I don't know. It it's so hard. <laughs> There's a reason why I always go light side in Star Wars games because I just can't. <laughs> You're probably the type of person who played your first Mass Effect playthrough as Paragon. Yeah, and as well as the second and the third. And the only reason yeah. why I had a Renegade version is because the internet said, hey, Ben, you're streaming this via Renegade. So thanks, John, for pushing that. <laughs> but at the same time i got to see different stuff and yeah by the time we got to mass effect 3 i was kind of renegade light <laughs> <laughs> oh tilted a little bit yeah just, just, yeah just a little. Uh, it's 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 definitely a different dynamic not not one you should do lightly mm-hmm. um and if <laughs> you do it takes it you should definitely put in lots of planning lots of prep lots of uh guardrails but it can be a very 
interesting, fun, fulfilling campaign type when done well. And yeah. so far I'm, I'm very much, very much enjoying it. So like you said, don't do it lightly, do it darkly. Ah, well with that joke, I think it's about time <laughs> to get out of here. So Ben, why don't you, you send us off with where we can be reached for any, anything people need. Well, if you're looking to email us to tell us uh, some stories about your games, tell us about how fantastic the combat wheelchair is, or just to be all like, hey, this is my fair. These are the cool things that I did. Ben can always use a whole lot more ideas for stuff. Although we're probably playing Saturday and this doesn't come out till Monday. So for the next fair that they get to, you can always email us. Send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. Uh, now, if you have something that you want to uh, you know, ask us or something that can go a lot faster than email or, you know, a lot tinier than email, you can always tweet us or just follow us in general. You find out when new episodes are out and fun stuff like that. Uh, that is at Dean Discussions. Now, if you're looking for Ryan because you think I smell or something, you can always find him at TBKZord on Twitter and I am at Ben Bumhofer. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, what do these guys know about D&D and I doubt they even play, well, I guarantee you we do because we do on a podcast. It is called Plus Five to Hits. It is a, a semi-monthly basis. Yes, it is a persistent campaign. In fact, we just had a, another session on on Monday, and it was a ton of fun. Uh, there there were some highs and lows in that too, so we're gonna keep on going with that. But um, I'm really enjoying that, that campaign a lot. Oh, it is a lot of fun. I love it's the been set. Really good. The characters are all a lot of fun. And it, it's it's a blast. I'm I'm also I'm really happy that you're my sister. I appreciate that. You're welcome. It's always nice to have a big sister. <laughs> um, other than that, though, if this is the first episode that you've ever listened to, and you're like, "Hey, this is pretty cool. I'm gonna check out more." Well, guess what? You can go to dndiscussions.com, as well as uh, whatever Apple's calling their their podcast player now. There's Google. There's Spotify. We're pretty much everywhere. Go ahead and check that out, or you know, just continue listening to us on whatever you're listening to us right now on that works too uh but last and definitely not least thank you very much for listening i've had a great time and as i always say be good to each other take care and we'll see you next time